So what, what, three decades you've been in this thing? Are we, are we recording that? We're good. The, I mean, yeah, this is, Sorry, I this, is as, this is as rogue as it gets. <laughs> there's literally, there's no makeup artist, because I don't wear anything. There's no point. Um, this is Do you never wear makeup? makeup? No. I just, really? I just never felt a point. Plus, mm. I can't get the stuff out my beard yeah, yeah. or my shirts, which leads to just too many problems at home. I say to, I never have any idea what anyone's doing to my head. Right. I just say, do whatever you think makes me more camera friendly. That's my only instruction. To be camera friendly, even yeah. though you're, you know what? So many questions. Back to the, I don't think you take actual vacations. I think you're always working. No, really. No. In fact, funny enough, my wife was asked about this in an interview. And she said that if I'm on vacation and we're on a beach and I don't have my phone and I don't know what's happening, I'm a twitching maniac. I'm like, I'm going into cold turkey because I'm a news junkie. Right. If I know what's happening and I'm on my phone on the beach the entire time, I'm very relaxed. Right, but everyone it's else is pissed. Everyone else is, is yeah. pissed with me, but actually I'm relaxed. I need to know what's happening. I've always been a news junkie. So if I don't know what's happening, I become a, a complete wreck. Now, see, I'm not the exact opposite. I will throw, usually when I get home, I throw my truck, my phone in my truck and that's it. And then everyone else will be like, hey, did I, you hear I what's going on? I couldn't do Like, that. I just need to get away from it for if a I get on, If I get on a plane and they say there's no Wi-Fi. It's <laughs> See, even with the planes and Wi-Fi, I won't do it because that's my time. That's why I get to sleep. Oh, it's I the one time that I cannot get a phone call from home mm. about the color of the shades or the, the tra neighbor's trash can was too close to ours. Like, that's the only, uh, airplane is the only safe place. So you, so you just don't mind being in, you're in the fire always because everyone's mm. either... It's funny, they either respect you to no end mm. or they loathe you entirely. Mm. And you think that's just because you're a truth guy? Yeah. I, I think that's why I'm so enamored with you, because you're a well, truth I, guy. I, well, I'm true to myself. I yeah. think that if you express honestly held opinions and you do it forcefully, as I do, and you speak in maybe quite a provocative, direct manner, I don't think I'm that controversial. I just, I will tell you're direct. you. direct. I'll tell you what I think, right? <clears throat> but when you do that, there are a large amount of people who won't agree with you. Now, we're in a world now where if you go back 40, 50 years and you had a disagreement with somebody, it was all very civilized, especially in my country. It would all be like, good afternoon, Jeffers, and good afternoon, Johnson. You would still have you know, tea. Let's talk, about, you know, let's talk about whatever's going on politically. Well, I don't agree with you, Jeffers. Well, that's fine, Johnson. Have another cup of tea or a pint of beer, right? Now, it's like, you don't agree with me. I have to ruin your life. Well, not just that. And, and, I, and you, by the way, if you don't agree with me, you are a nut job. You are controversialist. You're this, you're that, you're this. No, I'm not. I just happen to believe this. And you can't part with different beliefs. You can't. Or you can't have two thoughts on the same subject. Or you, and you're not prepared to bend. So social media has just fueled this tribalism where nobody wants to give an inch. But do you Nobody have... wants to change their mind. They think it's weak. I think the most powerful thing a person can do in a thriving democracy is change their mind. You know, be, be educated, learn something new, and change their mind about something. Well, okay, to that point, one of the things I've noticed about you, now let's take back, because you've been, you've been through, you've been this almost 30 years or, or past 30 years. People, when they have debates with you, I feel like there was a time when someone could come to you and be like, you know what? We had that conversation. I've had time to think about it. Mm. And you've changed my perspective. Mm. Or I, you know what? I didn't think of things that way. I don't agree with you on anything, but you made some good points, mm. and I appreciate that. 
That's gone now, right? Go. No one ever come because when I see the arguments, and this is why I yell at you sometimes on TV when I watch you, because I'm like, why are you wasting your time? Mm. You're coming with a well thought out opinion with facts based mm. in it to someone who's just going off feelings. Because sometimes to if you take the Israel Hamas war, right? I've had a lot of people on from both sides. They've been getting huge traction. Twenty million people have watched some of these interviews and debates. And sometimes they're completely intransigent on either side, right? Either pro-Palestinian, pro-Israeli, just completely intractable, do not want to hear another a point of view, will spew propaganda the right, entire interview and everything. But in itself, that's quite illuminating. It shows you the problem. It reminds me a bit of the Northern Ireland crisis that we had over my way, which people thought was intractable. They thought the IRA and the loyalists and the British government and the British people, none of it could ever come together. Now, it, now we have peace. Now all the people that were at war with each other are actually running Northern Ireland together. And there's peace, there's no longer terrorism from right. the IRA. And people said that couldn't happen. That was in my lifetime. And the, the other intractable conflict is Israel-Palestine. So when people say, it, it, we're never gonna get peace, I'm like, well, we did in Ireland. And nobody thought we would when they were blowing up ch innocent children and horses and you know, buildings and so on. Nobody thought that could be achieved. So the problem we have in modern society is this refusal to move to any points of consensus. I always try and get people, whether it's the Israel-Palestine war, whether it's about Donald Trump, Brexit in my, in my country, where are the points where you might reach some agreement? Let's start there. Right. What are the things we can all agree on? Then, then you can develop to a better place. But if the, if the basic position is, if you're not on my side, everything you say is a lie, and I'm not going to move, there is no possibility of what I call democracy. Now, I consider you one of our great communicators of, of our time in terms Thank you. of, well, of, of, of journalism, because you, well, you, you've been, you've worked, you've worked for everyone, you stood up to everyone. Uh, and I, I always think, I see that you care mm. in your work. And that is sometimes a double-edged sword because the interview you did with Kanye West, mm. I was present there for some of that. Yeah. And I was watching, not a journalist, I was watching a father right. trying to walk a troubled son through yes. some tough, and you're, it was one of the longest interviews because mm. I was like, how long is this gonna go for? Well, he left like, halfway through. He, well, he did several times. And then he came back and yeah. Most and he, journalists, most journalists, they, they got the, I got you. Right. Him storming out would have been the story. Mm. Mm. And that would have ran it and 20 million people would be like, oh, ye got weird again and he ran out, but you, were patient and he was like as you would say over there a petulant child mm. he was all over the place then he comes back you even got him to apologize for some of his behaviors with just do you care too much sometimes or is that the that that toxic male father attitude that is so Look, there are evil some, now there are some people i would not have done that with but i do think yay is a troubled person and i've got three sons from 30 to 23 now and they've been through different periods in their life where they've not gone full yay, but they've certainly had difficult moments in their life where I may have had an equally difficult conversation. Right. And if it's your son, you can't just end it and walk away and distance yourself from that. You have to keep it going. So I've learned to do that with, in people in that position. Uh, it doesn't always work and it's not always appropriate. Sometimes you just want to have it out with somebody. Right. And you don't care if you ever see them again. I had a guy 
called Jeremy Corbyn in England, who was a, a leader of the Labour Party until recently, very far left. And he came on to promote a book of poetry, which he was promoting, which was kind of comical. Uh, and he sat down and all I said to him, because there was a lot of belief that he's anti-Semitic and right. he hadn't really expressed his view about the war. And I said, do you think Hamas are a terror group? That's all I asked him. And then I had to ask him 15 times, maybe more, actually. Do you think that when they, they do that, they it makes it worse? Yes. Instead of just answering? Of course. It's because the not answer of is just as strong. Do of they course. not get that? Of course. But in that case, he did eventually walk off, stormed off and said, I'll never come back on the show. And I was like, I don't really want you to. It was right. my gut feeling. I don't care. I'm done with you. Right. You're, you're someone who doesn't think Hamas are a terror group. Uh, you're a political leader. If you don't think that in a country where Hamas is a prescribed terror group, I can't help you. <laughs> Whereas I felt with Ye, in his weird mind, and it is a weird mind, he was starting to move from a place of believing that record company people were out to get him in a business sense and straying into anti-Semitic tropes and genuinely anti-Semitic sentiment. And I wasn't sure that he meant to do that or wanted to do that. And I was trying to help him. Now, I might have been misguided. Maybe he is anti-Semitic. But it, it was an interesting thing. I felt like I was dealing with somebody slightly unraveling. No, yeah, I just, I've never seen that. Because mm. uh, when most interviews, when they get the gotcha moment, they're done. Yeah. They're done. Yeah. And it would have done him no favors. Mm. But... I think, and one thing, and in, in the way that you also, the one of the things that I, I liked about you is you didn't prophetize it. It wasn't the watch me save ye. It right. was, here's the interview, see what you think. We went all over the place. It's a, and it actually changed our show, actually, because, you know, we have a linear show and it's 46 to 47 yeah. minutes a night and it airs on Fox Nation here. It airs in the UK, it airs in Australia on conventional networks and subscription service here. Our YouTube channel has absolutely exploded. We now have 2.3 million subscribers to the YouTube channel. And that Yay interview was one of the key factors in kind of rocket fueling a different audience, which is that younger YouTube audience, which doesn't really watch television the way that my generation right. watches television. And he's never going to, but YouTube is their thing. And he is in that world massively. And then I followed it with Cristiano Ronaldo, the football player. Very explosive interview. Again, massive on YouTube. And then we come to the Israel-Hamas war. Bassem Youssef, who was the Arab John Stewart, did an amazingly kind of half-satirical interview with me. 21 million people watched that on YouTube. Quite staggering. So there's a world out there of people where for me, as a conventional journalist, newsprint newspapers, and then television is now having to rethink in real time. And part of it is interviews like, yeah, where you do it for two hours, that there are no limits on time. Joe Rogan has shown this and right. Howard Stern, you know, people like that do this, where you can talk for a long time with people and people will listen to it. Do you think, because it takes at least an hour to get them to come out of their shell? Yes. You know, like when you see, because today everyone's so guarded because the way interviews are is I have to get my talking point across, mm. whether it fits or not. Yeah. You know, like I have to get this across and like he had to be there to go with his poems and you ask him a question outside the box mm. and he wasn't prepared for that because the one thing I noticed when you take on the vegans and, and, and mm. these mm. and they're ridiculous. And the reason why I call them ridiculous, is not because I disagree with them, not because I eat steak, 
because the way they present themselves. Now, the argument is the, facile. Ar the argument, but there's no argument mm. because you can't. An argument is an exchange of ideas. Mm. They're preaching mm. based off of limited information. That's the biggest thing I've noticed about woke. There's never been an argument that I've seen you have, and I'm, I'm a, I have, or myself, to where I'm debating somebody who's having a woke thing, where they say something where I'm like, man, I haven't really thought of it that no, way. No, because they haven't thought it through. That, okay. You know, whether it's the vegan debate, whether it's the transgender athletes debate, you know, whatever it may be, they never really think these things through. What I do, and I think you're the same as me, we're quite logical people. So we hear an argument and we think, well, what's the logical extension of that person's argument? If the logical extension of an argument of the trans athlete in women's sport debate is that Usain Bolt ultimately could identify as a woman by putting his hand up and take part in the women's 100 meter Olympic final, would anybody in the world with a brain think that is reasonable or fair? Of course not. Therefore, the logical extension of that argument takes you to a place where you realize that side of the argument is deeply flawed. Because right. but that, you have to think about it logically. I don't think yeah. about it because I have a problem with trans people. Quite the opposite. I support trans rights to fairness and equality, but not to the point where it negates women's rights to fairness and equality. Again, logical thinking. Women have fought for 100 years to get the rights that are currently being attacked and damaged by the trans lobby trying to get to the same place. So... We have well, to work. They have to step on their heads to get there because, right. and then when you do, because this is the trouble I was getting with, is I always have because I research. I don't. I think the problem is the gotcha. The the the, the Twitter or the X, thirteen words is about as far as everybody goes with mm. the news today. They read the headline yep. and then they just kind of go from there. Mm. And a lot of the trans athletes are failed male athletes. Of course. So when you're placing seventy seventh. And you're placing 150th in your sport. And then lo and behold, you transition and now you're winning. I think any reasonable minded person would say, how much of this has to do with you finding inner peace and being the best you, or you finding a loophole in the system? You could take part as a wrestler, as a woman, if you wanted to. Yeah, don't want without to. Having, yeah. Without having any surgery. The idea being that apparently if you were just to de-testosterone yourself you wouldn't still be a massive unit yeah. that would pulverize a biological female obviously that's nuts right so yeah. i look like you do i think i i don't come at it from i don't i'm not actually a partisan person i don't belong to a political party i don't you know i'm on fox all the time but nobody pressures me to be to the right no i think most people kind of think of you as a moderate democrat they yeah hold you and bill maher in the same esteem correct similar but again you and bill maher both are grown ass men first you and we thinking... find we find the way that the left has gone is so insane that they now think we're right wing yeah no because i hear that all the time because i hear oh oh bill maher's in and pierce they should be mm. on fox all the time because they're concerned they're they haven't changed mm. at all not in the slight, mm. slightest bit. Or but, it may be, as my father tells me, that when you get older, you just naturally become more conservative. <laughs> well, because wisdom. <laughs> You've seen it. And when you say, yeah. I, and, and when you, because a perfect example, we both love boxing. Yeah. And I just went to uh, Ortiz's fight. Ah. And, um, and uh, it was a good stoppage. Mm. The, a kid didn't want anything to do with him. But, um, you know, in being there that week you know and i'm there i'm just front row trying to watch the the uh, boxing match it was a present for my wife but it's funny when she gets me presents like that she always gets to come so it's really it's not like hey you and your buddies go to the fight game it's like hey you're going to the fight and guess where we're gonna stay of oh, course cool. yeah a place with no gambling but um and i'm watching the thing and that week they said that they came out with 
that boxing had decided that to let biological men fight as women. And as two men who love the sport mm. of boxing, I mean, I absolutely love the sport of boxing, mm. but I could not support watching that. It's insane. What are we going to say? That Floyd Mayweather can come out of retirement and, get, and be a woman? Well, a guy gets five losses, then he could just cross over. Of course. And it was the best argument I heard it was Martina Navratilova about tennis. She said the number 300, 400 tennis player in the world, male, probably earning $100,000 a year, could put his hand up, say, I'm now identifying as a woman, and within a year be competing on the women's circuit and could probably earn $50 million in prize money and endorsements and Vanity Fair covers as the first transgender tennis superstar, right? And then at the end of that, after three years of raking in $100 million and having been number 400 in the world as a man, but number one as a woman and breaking records irrevocably. Yeah, where they, they cannot be Where no again. biological yeah. woman could ever win them back. So you smash the integrity of women's sport, could then simply say, actually, I've decided I, I want to change my mind again and become a man again. Yeah, and, that, and then he'll go back to losing. And the idea that wouldn't happen when money of that level is involved, when you look at what happened in cycling with doping, and to me, it's the same as doping. Everybody knows, really, it's cheating, right? If you're born with a biological male body, yeah, you're born you, with have, dancer, your muscles you have the same advantage over your competitors in the women's sport as a doper has over cyclists who didn't dope. It's the same thing. So when you and I are talking about this makes complete sense. I don't understand the outrage. Or is the outrage already set? People it's say, already, that little bomb is already Even set now as, I can see controversy as Morgan and Tyrus spew transphobic hatred. And then I say, watch the whole thing back. And then you'll hear me say, I want trans people to have exactly the same rights as you and me and as every biological woman. I think this is unfair to them. I of think course. this brings them into a light because most, most trans, trans people, people want nothing to do with are this just debate. trying to live their life. Of course. Just like the rest of and us. And they know it makes a mockery of them and their lives. Because it's the same thing in the black community when, when I see like when I see virtue signaling hires and I see equity hires, it drives me insane because it's like we're gonna be judged off this person's inability to be successful at this because well, when you see they were hired for one reason because right. the way they look or who they slept with. That I, we don't that's not what Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement was about. Of course. They had nothing to do with it. It was not higher based off the contents of the color of their skin. And that's such a cheap fix. Mm -hmm. But that tells me they don't really want to fix anything. But also crying racism when it didn't happen, when you're a privileged princess, for argument's sake. Yes. Like Meghan Markle, our friend. You know, I got a pretty good singer the other week when I hosted. I, I dedicated it to you, but I, I threw some fire. Because <laughs> but you were, you're, they tried to take your career away. Well, they're not, they, they, they not only did she personally write to my boss to get me fired and was successful in leaving me out of a job I loved that was doing very well, but also it turned out exactly as I'd said at the time that there was no evidence for this racism and there's never been any evidence for it. And then fascinatingly in Prince Harry's book, of over 400 pages, he never repeated the racism. Well, thing. she couldn't remember what she wrote, because again, right. I've been And then he said, we didn't mean to say anyone was racist. It was the media, which no. was another lie. So I just think that is very damaging to the cause of racial equality and racial justice, both of which I have promoted my entire career. Yeah, but no I will, make that argument. I will call out fake people, whoever they are. Speaking of calling out, uh, you did this special on um, on Fox Nation with the, the guys on death row. Yes. And that was one of the greatest interviews I have ever seen because you're like, ah, you know what? No, 
no, fuck mm. you, no, mm. that you're lying. Like, and I was like, when's the last time someone would risk calling out? You've got the the evidence is ridiculous. Mm. Like, all your wives just seem to die around the time their insurance comes mm. in, right, bro? But you, everyone is afraid. You took that because you're badgering, even though mm. that individual. I think had he been, and this is sad, had he been a different color mm. that you were calling out in this. Instead of the going, wow, man, he's holding him to the fire and he's making him own his crimes, it would have been racist, oppressive, yeah. tries to yeah. tries to demoralize serial killer. Well, yeah, like, like, the serial killer would be the victim. Well, I've interviewed lots of serial killers. Some are black, some are white. Uh, most of them identified as their biological sex. But here's the common thing. They're all liars and they all kill loads of people. Right. Uh, and the trick when I interviewed them, I sit this closely to them. Yeah, no, you did, yeah, because yeah, I, I don't really, think he I, liked it either. They're very intense, and the, the, the thing is, they don't have to stay there. You're not paying them. They don't have to stay in the chair. And I've had some rip their mics off after 10 minutes, so it's a game of cat and mouse. But they see the lights and the... They, they think I'm their only way out of here. Right. They're facing life in prison or execution, whatever it may be. The only chance they've got is this one interview to redeem themselves and to persuade me that they're innocent. And invariably, not always... But invariably, they're just terrible liars. And I spend the first half of the interview being very empathetic and warming them up and getting them to just basically contradict themselves. And then the second half, I start to explain to them why their story doesn't add up. And then if they're really cornered, you go for, ironically, the kill. The kill, the kill yeah. Yeah. If, if someone was starting in the game today, if a young man came to you today and said, and, and especially a young man, and I feel like I need to bring that because we, we can't do anything right anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, would your advice be to go the other way? Like, hey, find something else at this no. time? Or would no. it be, I is it worth my, it? I've got a son who's a journalist. I've got a son who's an actor. Um, a youngest son has come out of university. He came to Chicago for a year, the youngest one. He was a first-class graduate in England. But he had a year at Chicago University where before every lecture he had to give his personal pronoun. He said, Dad, what should I do? I went, you know what? You have probably no choice but to do this if you don't want to ostracize your battles, yeah. You're only there for a year. But what a joke. Yeah. He's a six-foot, three-inch bearded man. His pronoun is he. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was a ridiculous thing. I get so upset I know, I know it that. makes me twitchy too. But, but, you know, you have to... Interestingly, they don't feel as angry about it as we do, right? So, because it's so arrogant. You're assuming I'm going to talk about you so much. Of course. I need to talk about you in past tense. Of course. And I say, you know, there are wars raging in Ukraine, in Gaza. The idea that there is a separate war raging about personal pronouns and people claiming to be oppressed if you don't call a six-foot-five-inch bearded biological man they or she is preposterous. But again, that's assuming that I want to know you. It's assuming that I'm going to talk about you so much. Yes. And that's that's the narcissistic. See, I keep saying the pandemic, COVID-19 was one of the was the smaller mm. disease because narcissism spread oh. to epic proportions. Mm. And we're seeing because all of this talk about me, 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 me. Mm. How do you even sit? Because 90 percent of when you have people, when because you, you give them form. This is where you and I are different. I don't even want to have the conversation. I'll have the conversation. You will have the conversation, yeah. and, and we see it. And but I do feel genuinely that you and I and Bill Maher and others are beginning to turn the woke worm round. I do think over time it's working. More and more ordinary people who have not really engaged in this are crying out for people to do what we do, 
to call out this bullshit. And that's why it's important. There's enough of us who are, I think, probably just ballsy enough to not worry about the reaction. I don't care. I only care if I'm not trending on Twitter, right? X, right? Right. If I wake up and I don't see my name trending because everyone wants to kill me, it's a bad day at the office. Right. Bring it on. Yeah, Let's have this debate. And because X is dominated by extremities. So people on both sides of almost every debate want to kill me. Fine. No problem. Let's have that debate. Let's expose you for your extremity, not me who's actually lurking almost all the time in the common sense middle ground, which most people out there remember. 90% of us are there. 80% of the yeah. public in America and Britain are not on social media. 80%. I always say 10% of 10%, which, mm. because my, I, my, I'm starting to advocate for people to not have social media anymore. So mm. um, I'm down to two and they're because they're connected, but I've just noticed. I stopped Facebook. I stopped Facebook you know what immediately. I I'm no offense to wider friends, family, out of about 500 or something I had by the end. I don't want to see any more pictures of your dog. Or food. Or food. You had breakfast. Or Congratulations. Or even your little child who just won a race at school yeah. i don't give a fuck yeah sorry and uh i don't want to show you mine either i always thought That's facebook it. was a place for like your ex to watch you and be mad you're being successful yes and unlike yourself yes so i got rid of facebook um to it well X years is for ago, year, almost two years instagram ago. for showing off yeah right which i love love yeah. doing because instagram is basically a dating app yeah be and my beef with them is now that because my my kids are always on my phone and i have younger kids i've got I've got a nine-year-old and three 12-year-olds. So they're, they want to be, hey, dad, can I look on your phone? And I work really hard to make sure I don't have anything like that on my Instagram. But now with the feed, it used to be you only saw what you followed. Yeah, yeah. But now it keeps popping up to where I'm seeing stuff on there that I, and if I have in, because at work, I do interviews or I, I'm reading about stories and stuff and the algorithms and like you, anything that comes to your phone, you're terrified because you're swiping up. Next thing you know, you've got, four different advocates for uh, puberty blockers at mm. school and telling kids where to, to DM them and don't speak to their parents. And the, pressure, and the pressure to virtue signal even on Instagram, right? I remember in the middle of the George Floyd story, there was a day when everyone was supposed to do a black square on their Instagram. Yes. Okay, and I just refused. And so I just thought, I'm not doing that. It's not gonna make any difference or anything. And all the people that are doing it don't really understand the issues here. Don't want to make any constructive no. contribution. They just want to be seen to be looking Look at it. So I, I went instead to my local uh, square in London. I had a bottle of wine. I forgot all about the black square debate. And I posted a picture of my wine bottle with a glass of it. What a lovely day, right? And my sons rang me, two of them, like in a really agitated state. Said, Dad, you got to take that down. I went, what do you mean? Dad, you're not doing the black square. And, and a lot of my friends are mentioning that. You, why is your dad posting pictures of wine bottles when he should be doing the black square? I went, let me just tell you guys, all right, as my sons, don't go down this road, right? What do you think doing that black square is going to do to anything? Every single person doing it tomorrow will be putting the bikini pictures back on from the beach that they're heavily filtering to promote their fake selves. Be true to yourselves. If you genuinely think doing a black square on your Instagram is going to make a blind bit of difference to racial equality or injustice, do it. If, like me, you've calculated it's bullshit, yeah. It's not going to make any difference to anything. I've yet and to you'd rather expend your energy on doing things that will make a real difference than go that route. Well, because being a good person, uh, you really can't f film that. Because exactly. if you're filming it, then you're 
not being a good person. Exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, real quick before I let you go, since because you're one of the tell it like it is. <laughs> and uh, that's what I love about you. So Cat Williams did his thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I look at it from this perspective. You can get into the, the idiosyncrasies of whatever he said. But it always seems to me when an indep successful independent man, whether black or white, speaks their mind, mm. the daggers that come from them. You don't have to agree with everything. Like, mm. listen, uh, I get the whole black community actors with the dress thing or, or, or want to be portrayed as gay. and, and a com But if you're going to do comedies, that's going to because Robin Williams did it. John Candy did it. So it's, it's more of a comedy thing, but I get it to where when it comes out of the blue, it looks a little funny. And, and I've, exper I've experienced something like that. I was doing a movie uh, with John Malkovich and Mike Epps, and I was Mike Epps' brother-in-law, which was, I was his, his thug in the back, his head of his security while we tried to rob everybody. And we, him and I had a lot of back and forth. And the director one day uh, said an assistant came to me in the trailer and said, hey, we got a great idea, Tyrus. And I was like, well, what's up, man? What do you want to do? He's like, we think uh, you should be gay. And I said, Okay, so what would I do different? And they just sat there and looked at each other. <laughs> I don't have a sex scene, so... Because gay guys beat people up too and steal money. So What do they say? What would I do different? That's and they brilliant. just sat there. Well, I, I guess you wouldn't mm -hmm. do anything. So I'm gay then. <laughs> so let's do our movie. And, uh, you know... It, it's a perfect, a perfect way to puncture the crap, right? Yeah. It's a bit like the whole debate about appropriation. You know, I, I've got a house in L.A. and near me is a witch's house. Genuine witch's house. Right. And so it's like a mecca of It's Halloween. a thing in California. They're out there. Right. They're so on Halloween, there. thousands of yeah, people... Those are full-time witches in California. Right. So yeah. Halloween, yeah. thousands of people descend yeah. on this place, right? And they normally, when I first started doing this 20 years ago, would come at the most offensive and outrageous stuff they could think of, right? They would come as serial killers. Yeah, they come well, as yeah. Hitler. They come as whatever, whatever, whatever. Now nobody can come as anything. So now you're basically reduced to Barbie and Ken, and that's about it. There were about 100 Barbies, 100 Kens. Because everyone's afraid. Everyone, everyone else was in normal clothes, right? I went as Donald Trump in a, in a jumpsuit, orange jumpsuit, just to piss them off. And I'm sure you, you probably triggered that trigger word. And a lot of people are like, How, you know, poor Donald Trump. Have you thought about his feelings? <laughs> Whereas Trump would have laughed, right? So he would have laughed, so, and but, that's but, where you got the suit. But this is the thing, is like this perceived offense all the time. Everyone has to stop being so offended by stuff that's just intended to be humorous. The point of Halloween was it was to make people laugh through just being deliberately offensive. It's funny. You're laughing at the people you're You're wearing portraying. a costume. You're, you, listen, uh, when I was at the WWE, the kids were Brodus Clay for like, that was the, the kids had mm. my little outfit on, and I never once was like, oh, how's that child put a fake beard on? He's hurt my... But I think that's where... It's not real feelings, though, right? It's just it's virtue. Like, you know, I, I, I refuse to believe that somebody's You know where this all started, actually? I'll chart it back to egg and spoon races. In England, we had egg and spoon races, right? Where you got a spoon. We have them in America too. And yeah, an egg, yeah. right? And then they banned them in loads of schools because two things were Eggs happening. Eggs were too expensive. One, people were getting injured. Hi. So one in a thousand people would fall over and break their finger, right? And secondly, it was too competitive. So some kids really wanted to win and other kids weren't very good and had to lose. And little Johnny who lost would start crying and therefore there was a microaggression at play and therefore 
they had to cancel egg and spoon races. Instead of when we did it, you just had to be better at balancing. They also canceled the Father's Day race, right? Where fathers, some of whom were athletic and some of whom most definitely like me were not, but had a will to win that would crush any soul, right? And then they canceled them and banned them all over Britain because, because some fathers died. Lose. And I was like, if they die, they die. Yeah, that's probably the way they want to go. <laughs> you know, sorry. I, I'm a, I, went out, I went out swinging. What better way could you want to go than dying to show your son that you're good at running? Yeah, no, yeah. So egg and spoon races, Father's Day races, all this stuff. The moment you start saying we can't be competitive and we can't do anything because you might hurt yourself and you can't appropriate anything, even if you're celebrating the place or person that you're appropriating, the world has gone nuts. Because we're afraid of failure, Yeah. F word, because you can't fail. All my successes are based off failure. We now celebrate losing. Yes. But actually, we should celebrate winning, and we should see losing as a bad thing. Yeah. A bad I, thing. And it's across the top. Like you, When I was growing up and when I played, if a, a football team beat us, we didn't shake hands. We'd acknowledge them. But like, I'm not hugging you in the middle of the field and like, no. hey, let's get dinner. I don't want to see you. I don't want to know you. We just lost. Well played. And I just, I'm out because I'm mad because I lost. And I think you, failure is such an, I can, like I said, I look at every moment in my career. Because for a perfect example, when that stuff went down with the royal family, for all intents and purposes, it's not like you needed the money to come no. back. You could have been, hey, mm. I'm out. Mm. And not only did you chose to come back, you came back defiant. Mm. You didn't come back with the, you didn't do the apology tour. Nope. You re absolutely refused to you apologize. You know what apology tours do? They make the things 10 times worse. Yeah. People sense vulnerability. And the great thing about the woke brigade is they all have be kind as a hashtag in their biography on X. Yeah. They are the least kind people in the world. So if they see that you're vulnerable, if they see a wound oozing metaphorical blood from your entrails, what they want to do is create more blood and more wounds right. and metaphorically stamp you to death. Because they can't educate you on anything. So the best way is to just give them a massive finger, massive yeah. finger and say, fuck you, right? Because ultimately they're bullshit. And you and I are common sense, regular people that the vast majority of the public agree with. And to, to put it in a button, I think right now, as far as attention on TV goes and respect on TV, a certain royal family would trade places with you right now. They've won thousand. No they, question. Because it, they have become, they're not even the meme of the day. They're the, oh, them? Yeah. They're still here? Well, put it this way. There's me and there's Meghan and Harry. And one party is a constant laughingstock of things like South Park. And the other sitting down for an interview with the great Taurus. Well. I know. I'll who, be honest with I you. Know who I, wins. I, I have no issue with South Park coming after me. It's one of my favorite shows. It's one of my dreams, but I, I agree with him on too much. But man, thank you so much for your time. Great to see you.